Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, and we're, uh, we're at full strength. We got myself and Kip and Rusty. Uh, we're all here today, and uh, we got a lot to talk about. Georgia's preseason camp held the first scrimmage on Saturday. Going to talk quarterbacks. We're going to talk about players we think can make a move, players who are making a move. Uh, we got a little bit of flexibility there, and, and we're going to kind of uh, share what we're share, you know, share what we're hearing and, and also kind of what we kind of project down the line uh, as far as that goes. Uh, Georgia's some game times came out yesterday. Georgia's got Alabama and Auburn in prime time. We're going to go over that. And then at the very end of the show, going to toss it to my man Rusty, talk about a little recruiting here. Uh, but, guys, let's, let's, let's not, you know, no pleasantries, nothing like that. Rusty, quarterback battle, what are you hearing and, and, and what are you kind of expecting here in the next couple, two or three weeks as far as that goes? I did an Ask Rusty uh, chat as we started off the, the week, and I think that people – I made the comment in the chat. Somebody asked me about the race, and I said, I think this thing is very close. And I want to reiterate, I do think this thing is close. I think people are just assuming this is going to be Jamie Newman's job. You know, if well, I think we'll all predict, you know, as we go into this, I, I do predict that Jamie Newman will probably be the starting quarterback in the University of Georgia. But I, I want to, to be really, really clear that this thing is more open than people think. Uh, just reading from a national perception, we all talk to people within that program. And I'll tell you this, JT Daniel is catching on to this offense really, really quick. JT Daniel is about 85% right now. So I think as, he, as it moves forward, I do think you're going to see him play no matter what. Uh, I just think that Jamie Newman right now is a bigger body guy. I mean, he's a guy that can hurt you with his legs as well. And it's just hard because people want you to say, hey, this is Jamie Newman's job. And this is not coach talk from all of us. I mean, I, we don't have to give coach speech here or speak here. I just want to be clear: this job is is still really and truly behind the scenes, wide open. And Jake, I think you'll talk about this more. This is a very important scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, every day is important. I did hear that Jamie Newman had a really good Monday practice. So that helps him. But I think this is a very, very important scrimmage. In fact, I was told the players are going to be off on Friday. It's a time to reflect. It's time to get your mind right. It's a time to study your tape. And I'm telling you, Saturday's scrimmage tape is going to be very important uh, in this quarterback race. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's, that's just where we're at right now. I mean, every single rep, I think, is going to be crucial. And, you know, I'm with you. I think I do think this is absolutely close. Uh, you know, I, I reported last week that there was no separation, really, that, that, that no quarterback had really grabbing it, grabbed it and run with it. And, and even in the scrimmage on Saturday, um, everything I've heard has led me to believe Jamie Newman had a more impressive scrimmage on Saturday. But at the same time, you know, JT Daniels did some good stuff. And, and Dewan Mathis got a, got a series with the ones in, in red yep. zone. And, and yep. so, you know, you, you've got all that going around. I do think, though, that, you know, Kirby Smart's comment after about having five quarterbacks and, you know, there not being enough reps for five, there's barely enough for three. They're going to narrow this thing down, I, I believe, probably after this coming scrimmage and really start to try and get the reps to two or three guys. And that's where it's going to come in. And, and, and be a big part of it. Kip, kind of what's your read on the quarterback situation? It is completely unsettled. You still have three and a half weeks to go until the season opener. 
I mean, it's still, that still leaves JT Daniels, you know, plenty of time to, I mean, technically get cleared. I mean, he's, he's healthy enough to practice right now. He's healthy enough to participate in the scrimmage. I mean, he's healthy enough to get snaps of the first-team offense. Uh, you know, the key there is, is he going to be able to catch Newman? Because I do think still, you know, even though it's still wide open, I, I think Newman, you know, if we're going to, you know, quantify this in terms of a race, I mean, I still think Newman has a, a couple lengths distance on Dangles right now. I just think he, he still has that, you know, that the head start, and he still has a lead in the race overall. I, I think right now, you know, all you want to see really is JT healthy. You know, uh, Newman continue to be healthy. I mean, he again, he, he's he's now healthy and and returned from that injury early this summer. And obviously, I mean, seeing Dewan Mathis healthy is just great news in itself. So having three healthy quarterbacks right now. Uh, would be great news for, for for Georgia because each one of these guys has kind of you know had to to battle through uh, various injuries and and, and issues. So I, I think that's kind of the key for Georgia's now is to make sure you get through three and a half weeks with with these guys you know being as healthy as they can be and and hopefully all three of them being cleared and ready to participate in, in the season opener because right now the most important thing for for all of them snaps. I mean, uh, again, you, you talk about trying to limit this thing to two to three guys right now. They need all three guys to be as healthy as possible so that they can get these snaps and, and have, you know, one or two guys that are completely cleared and, and ready to get out there because obviously there's no gimmies uh, in this season and, and Georgia needs to, to, to get as, as many reps to their quarterback as possible. And if, if they have JT Daniels and Jamie Newman or – whether it's Jamie Newman and Dewan Mathis, I think it's it's great news for Georgia just because opponents are going to have to prepare for more than one quarterback because it does seem like we're going to have more than one quarterback taking reps in a game and not just not just mop-up duty, significant reps. So I just think that as far as Georgia's offense and the, it being labeled predictable in the last couple of years, I mean, right there, that, that gives Georgia a, a, a new wrinkle right there as far as just – giving opponents multiple looks and quarterbacks to just do some different things than what this offense has had under center the last couple of years. So Rusty, you're, you're on the record as of right now. And uh, we're September the 2nd. You do believe Jamie Newman begins the 2020 season as Georgia starting quarterback. I do. I also think that JT Daniel will get some reps. I think this thing will probably um, it, it very well could. It very well could be settled. But I still think that uh, Jamie Newman and JT Daniel will both play some in the first game. And it could carry over into week two, which is a big one with Auburn. One thing that, Jake, we didn't get enough sample size of, you probably talked to a lot of the same people I did. And, you know, Dewan Mathis only got one series with the ones. I would be surprised if he didn't get a – a larger sample size this week with the ones. And look, if JT Daniels, if JT, if, if Dwan Mathis has a good Saturday, then things could get interesting again. But I am on the record to answer the question that Jamie Newman will be the starting quarterback for the University of Georgia against Arkansas. But I'm also on the record to saying I think this thing's a little bit open. I have to pick one. I think this thing, I think Kip used the right word there. This thing is not settled. And, and uh, we'll see how it plays out over the next 24 days. 
And, and that's where the challenge comes in. It's, it's settling the offense. It's settling the team while being maybe a, a little unsettled, even into the season at quarterback. And this is not a situation where Georgia's trying to break in. It's a quarterback that's new to them, but they're not trying to break in and try to get a guy ready to play. They've got a couple guys who are game ready, who, who have, have proven that they can be game ready. They just got to figure out the the one who's who's going to kind of separate himself, and there may be a little bit of a projection that goes on there for Georgia too. Uh, Kirby Smart's talked about it before, mainly with younger players, but you know a lot of times they'll make a decision based on okay, well this is the guy that's here now, and maybe this other guy's right there with him, but we think player B, the other guy, can can be better down the line, and so they they decide to go ahead and kind of you know make that move, and so what would. I'm interested to see if that plays a, a role in it as well because I do find it, and, and somebody brought this up over at the junkyard, good stuff that gets brought up there all the time that, that by, by fans, and, and we definitely appreciate it, was, you know, listen, you add JT Daniels any t- time you get a chance to add JT Daniels, but Todd Munkin was hired before – I'm sorry, after Jamie Newman had been added to the roster, and then, you know, they bring in JT Daniels after. Could that be a situation where Todd Munkin really, really liked JT Daniels and, and kind of helped Georgia make a push there? I don't know. But that's something to kind of consider there, too. And maybe he's a guy that he could see maybe running his offense a little bit more long term. Uh, but but I'm with you. I, I, I've said this over and over again. And I think, Jay, I think Jamie Newman has a lead right now. I think he's ahead. Um, especially when you consider the fact JT Daniels isn't cleared, that's not affecting his ability to practice because they don't hit the quarterback in practice. And basically the only thing he's not cleared for is contact at this point. Um, but, but I do think uh, Jamie Newman is ahead. Uh, Kip, who's your prediction, game one, and, and kind of how it plays out right now? Well, uh, until they tell me that JT Daniels is fully ready to go, I- I'm going to stick with, with Jamie Newman. And again, I just think he is the the guy's got the head start. I think he's just further along as far as being comfortable in the offense, having just been able to work with Munkin, even though they didn't get spring football in there. He's been, you know, he was there all spring. And you know, I'll also say, hey, Dewan Mathis, if he's cleared to play, I think at, at the very least, I mean, when they get in their red zone, I mean. I think Kirby's going to have a package for him. I think Todd Monken and Kirby will probably get together. They'll find a way to get a guy like Dwan Mathis, you know, on the field just because of his physical talents, his speed, his athleticism, and he's got that arm. I mean, when when they come out in the Wildcat package, everyone, you know, might collectively groan just knowing that it's probably going to be a quarterback keeper. But I think Dwan Mathis has, has the arm talent to where – you know, at least the defense will say, well, "Hold on, wait a second. Uh, th- you know, this th- this guy ha- has the talent to uh, to make us look really bad here." So I just think, I just think it's honestly a situation that we haven't really seen before, where Georgia might have three quarterbacks that that could see the field on a regular basis. And listen, that's that's always kind of fun for me. Uh, you know, being a team beat rider to kind of, you know, deal with the two quarterback situation and you got one guy in, one guy out watching that competition unfold. I don't buy into the whole idea that if you've got two quarterbacks, then you really have none. I, I don't really, you know, subscribe to that or get into it. Uh, but I do think that, that uh, you know, especially when you've got a situation like Georgia has here. I mean, it's not like you've got two guys that are unproven and you're trying to find out to see who emerges. You're just trying to figure out who gives you the best chance to win. And, um, 
you're in good shape whenever both guys have played at a high enough level at the college level that both of them have proven they can give a good team a chance to win. And, um, you know, I'm just interested to see how it plays out. You know, I, I tend to think JT Daniels has more of a shot to make a bigger impact at the quarterback position as time goes on because I think that, you know, his knee injury was a pretty serious one. It And, and you know, any ACL is serious, but he there was more that went on there than just an ACL tear. He had – uh, I believe it was a meniscus, and there was some other damage in there. Greg Biggins shed some light, shed some light on that whenever he had a, he was on the podcast with us. But there was a, there was a lot that went on there, and it could take some time before JT is the caliber of athlete when the bullets are flying that they want him to be at that position. And Todd Munkin has said that he prioritizes it, and also has also said that JT's a better athlete than people give him credit for. Uh, so there's a lot of that at play. But I think all three of us, you know, kind of on the same page there with Newman. And and uh, it, it'll be something that goes into the season. I have no doubt about it. And, and you know, I think that Georgia is is probably more okay than they would be in normal circumstances uh, with it not being completely settled at this point. Uh, let's, let's jump a little bit to the other position groups. And, and Kip, I'll start with you here. Um, you got a few different ways you can go with this. There's some flexibility. Who's a player you're hearing is making a move, a guy that you expect to make a move uh, somewhere during the 2020 season, um, you know, right now? Well, I, I think a guy that was al- really almost forgotten in this this outside linebacker group, being, and it's kind of just been interesting to watch, being that he's was the top junior college prospect in, the, in that 2019 class, and, and that's Jermaine Johnson. Uh, you know, everyone talks about Aziz Ojolari. They talk about Nolan Smith. Obviously, both guys are extremely physically talented. Um, but I still think there's a, you know, there's reason to believe that Jermaine Johnson can make a big move, you know, right right now in this. This could be his, you know, last year. It's all kind of up in the air with uh, how they're going to, allow people to, you know, potentially have another year of eligibility regardless of what happens this year. But I think last year was just a bigger adjustment period for Jermaine Johnson than what he anticipated. I think, you know, in junior college, he was able to kind of get away with just having more athleticism than the guys, you know, lining up uh, across from him. And he found out that you can't just rely on that in the SEC. So I think – the offseason was big for him. Uh, you know, I think physically speaking, he uh, has everything you look for. Looks to be, again, in, in outstanding shape. And I think he's made the physical adjustment. I think he knows he needs to to play with more aggression and has to be, I mean, for better lack of speaking, he needs to be more violent in his approach. He, you know, he has to become more of a technician as a pass rusher. You can't just rely on, you know, speed and athleticism in the SEC. These these offensive tackles deal with that every day in practice. They, you know, they deal with guys that are similar talent level. So I think having the offseason to work and hone his technique is going to help Jermaine Johnson play a bigger role and give Georgia a deeper cachet of, of guys off the edge that, you know, that can make havoc plays. And, and I just I think that this is setting up to be a potentially big season for Jermaine Johnson. If he has eyes on, you know, potentially playing at the next level, he's going to have a great chance to showcase it. And I, I think that, again, he hasn't really had the opportunity 
kind of had some nagging injuries last year that kind of kept them behind the eight ball a little bit. I, I think you have a healthy year two of Jermaine Johnson. I, I think there's a chance for him to make a huge leap and make a huge impact on what looks to be one of the best defenses we've ever seen. Uh, I, I got a good idea where I think Rusty's going to go with this, and I'm interested to find out if I'm going to be right. So I'm going to go before Rusty, and I'm not going to steal it. Uh, I'm going to go with Justin Robinson, and I think it's both simultaneously happening a little bit, and I think it's going to happen down the road. Missed it. I, well, I, I'm, I'm not going – I intentionally didn't try to pick yours now. Okay, okay. all right. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm leaving yours there. Uh, so I'm interested to see if you actually hit it. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm going with Justin Robinson. I, I just think that he, he made some plays in the scrimmage on Saturday from what I've been able to learn. He's made some plays in practice. He's, he was an early enrollee. And, listen, this is a, this is a drum – you know, that I've beat on since since I first started hearing about the freshman early enrollees, that when he reported, he was more explosive and he was a better athlete than maybe the evaluation of him led us to believe. And that's fine. That happens sometimes. Chris Conley's another guy that I think probably fits that description. I don't think he's quite – I don't think, you know, I'm not trying to say Justin Robinson's going to go run a 4-3 or jump 46 inches, but I do think that he was viewed as maybe a big possession receiver, and I think he has that element to his game, but he's also a, a, a very good athlete, an explosive athlete, and, and I think he's a guy that, that sooner rather than later is going to make an impact at the receiver position um, because, you know, listen, I'm, I'm in the same boat as a lot of Georgia fans to an extent with Matt Landers. Um, I, I'm always – until, until a kid has taken his last step, snap, okay, I'm like, they got, they got time to make a move. I'm not. I'm not giving up on Matt Landers at all, but we have heard significant buzz coming out of practice about Matt Landers before, and then you know he even got off to a pretty quick start last football season, and then something happened, and he just he struggled. It's a confidence thing. It's a. It's a, maybe it's a focus thing. I don't really know what it is. So until I see Matt Landers grab that bull by the horns and and really take it down. Um, I think that, that that there's a position open outside, uh, you know, uh, outside on the other side of George Pickens, and I think Justin Robinson has a chance to get going there and make an impact in this offense. And you know, listen, I'm not sitting here predicting a, a 700 yard season from like Pickens last year, but if we look back and he's got 28 catches for you know 475 yards and a couple touchdowns, I think that's really strong for a freshman coming into an offense where Georgia has an established number one wide receiver. So, Justin Robinson is my pick. Who's yours, Rusty? Who would you think I was going to say? I, th I, I thought you were going to go with Tate Rattledge. I almost did. Oh, man, I missed I very hey, – I thought about two players. I almost went with Tate Rattledge. Uh, I think Tate Rattledge had a really, really good last week from what I heard. Um, the scrimmage, he had a good scrimmage. He had a – I think uh, what, I, what I was told, he had a Oklahoma drill on Monday to where he got to pick out somebody, and he picked out a big one and went one-on-one -on -one with him in front of the whole team and pretty much Tate put that person on their, on their back. So I think that Tate Rattledge is trying to make a move, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this, everything I continue to hear is Owen Condon is in first place right now, and the rest are fighting for the second place behind him. He's had a really good – fall camp i'm gonna go and i'm and listen there's gonna be some eye rolls and people are gonna just just duck their head on this one and and, uh, and I'll, I'll explain myself but you touched on it there for a second i'm gonna go matt landers 
And the reason I'm going to go Matt Landers is it's basically money time for him. It's time for him to put everything together. He's made the Randy Moss plays in practice. You know, he caught a big touchdown pass late last year in a game. I just think the opportunity is there. And I go back to one person. I keep thinking about one person. And we have the same questions coming over, and that was Lawrence Cager. Lawrence Cager never really put it together at Miami. It just never worked out for him. Uh, when he got his opportunity at Georgia, Obviously, when he was healthy, he was really, really good. Then it was a lot of buzz in an NFL camp for him with the Jets, and he gets hurt a little bit. But, you know, he made it, he, he's a big guy making plays. I think that Matt Landers, his time is now. And as the year goes on, the Georgia fan base, I think the Georgia quarterbacks, I think the offensive play callers know that this guy – can do a lot, and he gives you a lot in that 6-5 frame. Can he get those 50-50 balls? Can he make those catches that he does from time to time in practice? Can he bring that workmanship every single day, work ethic-wise, to be a starter under Kirby Smart? We're going to see. I'm going to bet on Matt Landers, and I think Matt Landers is going to be an impact player early in the season for Georgia. And, and I think Georgia fans, I think a lot of them would, would love – the ones that have given up on them would love to be wrong about it. I, I know they would. And, uh, you know, we'll see if that actually happens. He's definitely gifted. And, you know, you want to talk about a guy that, yeah, he didn't make a lot of plays he had a chance to make last year. But there's a certain element of talent that goes into putting your position to make putting yourself in position to make those plays, and not everybody has that. And and Landers is a guy that has shown he can separate at this level. And um, you know, I, I listen. I'm always rooting for a guy who, who's kind of a little bit of an underdog. And um, you know, I just I just want to see it first. I really do. But I do. You know, you brought up a good point there. I do kind of go against one of my hard philosophies there, and it's that as a player's career goes on, the, the light is kind of more likely to come on because they're running out of time and there's a sense of urgency that comes with it. And, um, you know, listen, the list is long at this point, especially, you know, a, a relatively long when you start – when you're talking about a four-year, five-year sample of guys that have come on late in their career under Kirby Smart, it, whether you're talking about Isaiah Wynn, um, you're talking about Lamont Gilliard, uh, Kendall Baker to an extent. Um, you got John Atkins who can't, you know, Justin Young, Michael Barnett. I mean, there have guys have come on late in their career under Kirby Smart, and uh, George's done a good job of developing those guys and not giving up on them. They've either become contributors or impact players uh, very late in their career. Um, before we go to break, real quick, guys, what about Owen Condon in this whole situation? Because I didn't even, and and, and I got, I give myself a little bit of a pass here because Conan just hasn't been healthy. I mean, when he got back to work in terms of practice, it was the first time he had practiced since like November of last year. But from pretty much afterthought to running with the ones, getting sent up to talk to media, yeah. uh, getting praise from Kirby Smart after the scrimmage, I mean, man, Rusty, Owen Condon, how about that? Six, six and a quarter, 273 from what I was told when he got to Georgia. 273, six six and a quarter, 273. Six foot seven, 317 pounds right now. That's a grown man. And and that's with him saying that during quarantine, he worked on leaning up a little bit, you know, Leaned with up, him working on kind of he, he eliminated 3% body fat, kind of moving around a little bit better. They wanted to play with more power. And 
I'm sure you want whoever to play right tackle to play on more power when you're kind of looking at film of Isaiah Wilson last year. But um, uh, just, a, just a really cool story. And I, I want to say this about him, too. When he talked to us, I guess it was on Monday, um, impressive. I mean, kind of, I mean, just well, you know, well thought out, um, confident. There are a lot of guys who, when they talk to us for the first time, they're nervous, and maybe being on a Zoom call kind of helps them with that. But there was some confidence there with him and very comfortable in doing that. And um, I'm, I'm interested to see if he can hold on to it, if he continues to get better because, you know, Sam Pittman, you know, he, he knows right how to evaluate them. Right and, uh, was a camp, him. That was a camp eval. They had him down from Oklahoma to work out. So you look at a camp eval right there, uh, and we're not talking a bunch about him. We may not talk much about him this year, but Devin Whitlock is another kid that I've told had a good fall camp. Georgia had to trust a camp uh, eval because Matt Luke had never seen him. So when Matt Luke comes in, the opportunity to, to get him right there, and they had to trust that camp eval. So those are some of the things that Georgia will not have for this next class to rely on is those camp tapes and camp evals, but you're right. Absolutely, Jake. Sam Pittman, camp eval, Owen Condon, probably saw something that a lot of schools didn't maybe, and this young man looks to have like he's got a pretty good grasp and a pretty good hold on that starting right tackle position at Georgia right now. Long way to go, but you're, he's in the catbird seat, and that's the only thing you can ask for if you're him and you've waited your turn for, for two years already. Let's go into a break real quick, and we're going to come out on the other side. We're going to talk about the game times that got dropped yesterday, and uh, it's pretty exciting. All right, Kip, going to go to you first here, man. Uh, obviously, Arkansas, 4 o'clock, I think – you know, that's that's pretty cool for, you know, George, even though I think sometimes those early games, if that was a nooner, which would be 11 p.m. Central, 11 a.m. Central, uh, kind of favors the road team. Uh, this isn't a typical year, though, because God knows how the it's going to work out with the fans and the number of fans in the stands and what kind of effect that's going to have on the play on the field. But uh, all of a sudden, you got Georgia-Auburn at 7.30, 7.45 on ESPN. Georgia, Alabama at 8 p.m. in Bryant Denny Stadium. Uh, catching a little bit of a break here to play Alabama at night at Bryant Denny in quarantine, not in quarantine, but in a pandemic. Yeah, definitely. And just to start off, I mean, you guys were mentioning Owen Condon. I mean, what's that going to be like when Sam Pittman makes his head coaching debut and, you know, he's going to have to go uh, up against a guy potentially right tackle that he basically made the scouting report for Georgia and, and helped them get their starter off of the lowest rated non-punter signee in that number one rated class, that two, 2018 class. I just think that that's a fascinating little sub story that, you know, he's going to be going up against a, a guy that basically his scouting report has, has helped Georgia, you know, in a group that also had Jamari Sawyer, uh, that, you know, that had uh, Cade Mays, had some high-rated guys, and, and, and now uh, Owen Owen is the guy that's kind of making that push to, to make a, you know, play a big role for Georgia's offensive line. But, yeah, just looking at that schedule, I mean, uh, I don't think that uh, you can really have any issues with this. I mean, I think 4 p.m. is great for Arkansas. I, I think uh, Auburn and Alabama both, both at night uh, is both fascinating. I think, again, we're all going to be – waiting to see just how the, the stadiums are handled and what the fan presence is like. Uh, but, I mean, for, for 
I think for Georgia, you, you just have to be excited just to just to see times on the schedule. I think this is just the expectations of this season and, and the way that Georgia has kind of set themselves up to to push for a return to the to the playoff. Uh, it's it's just exciting. I don't really think there's you can really put a, a you know a, a time factor on, on these early games because we don't we just don't know what the home field advantage is going to be like right now. I don't think we can really quantify what it means to be playing home and away right now. It's just not a not a normal year. So. You know, that, that 7.30 game against Auburn is going to be a very interesting one because, honestly, we all think that'll be kind of Georgia's first real, you know, hard test of the season. And it'll be kind of a, you know, really a good measurement of, of, of what this team has on both sides of the ball with, you know, Auburn returning Bo Nix at quarterback, uh, one of the conference's best wide receivers in Seth Williams. and you know, uh, having an offensive coordinator in, in, in Chad Morris that, that gives their, their fan base a lot of reasons to be excited. I think that this is where you, you find out really what, what your defense brings to the table. And I, I think that's something that's going to be fascinating. If, if Georgia has played Auburn really well, you know, really over the, the last decade, uh, Kirby Smart's done a good job against Gus Malzahn and you know, this is kind of a, a big year for, for Gus Malzahn as well. Again, he's saying all the right things as far as Chad Morris having the the keys to the offense. But, you know, if Georgia's defense is, is giving them issues, you know, in the second and third quarter, is Gus going to allow him to continue to, you know, technically call the plays? Or is it going to be Gus, again, taking over and, and doing his own thing? So that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch. And, and they're going to uh, you know, they're going to have to do that in Athens. And, and whether or not that's a factor r- remains to be seen. I think that's just the one thing we're still waiting to see how that all unfolds. You know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call Georgia-Auburn uh, – in week two, the probably the weirdest experience of my career because I've covered Georgia Auburn games more than any other game um, as a reporter. I've I've covered God, I think seven or eight of them at this point, uh, and every single time I do it, whether whether either team has national championship hopes or not, it's mayhem. It is it's wild as all get out. Whether you're at Auburn. I think the only one that maybe wasn't was the 2015 game at Auburn whenever Auburn wasn't very good and Georgia wasn't very good. That was probably the most subdued, but it was still pretty crazy. Uh, but, you know, with with the so few fans in the stands, re, rel, you know, relatively, probably, you know, 20,000, maybe 25 at most, uh, you've got that at play. It's the earliest the two teams have played in the year since 1892. They played on, I think it was on February 20th in 1892. That was their first meeting. But uh, before that, I'm sorry, since then, they've only played five times in October. They haven't played in October since, I think, 1936. And the earliest they've ever played would would have been two weeks later than this. I mean, normally it is unmistakably fall whenever Georgia and Auburn play. I remember going to an Auburn game to see a kid that graduated from the same high school that I went to, and I wasn't even in high school yet. Uh, Jeffrey Dunlap played defensive tackle at Auburn in 1997. 
y'all, it was the coldest night I can ever remember in my entire life. Like it was the coldest day sometime in, you know, late November. I think it was in the single digits with a wind chill. And uh, it's just weird. It's just, it's going to be the weirdest game for that to happen on, what is it, October the 3rd? Uh, and, and be played at night, and it's probably still going to be pretty warm outside, and the, the fans, the, the place is going to be relatively empty. Um, that's going to be a weird one. Rusty, any takeaways from that? I mean, I, the one thing that I know for a fact is, I mean, when you looked at the schedule when it was put out last year, you think about playing at Bryant-Denny, you're thinking, oh, man, you don't want to play there at night, and now you're having to play there at night, and you're like, maybe this isn't such a big deal. I'm going to have to see – the what, what can they have 25,000 yeah i'm yeah. going to have to see that 25,000 count you know when they have these spring games and they'll announce like there's 78,000 and you look there's probably only 40 you know a lot of places do that georgia when they announce 93,000 you can tell it's 93 i want to see alabama announce 25,000 and see what it looks like in that stadium because I'm telling you right now, I know they're going to be pumping music. And I just can't see these people not trying to get into that game. I mean, this is one of the biggest home games. You know, other than these LSU matchups, this is one of the biggest home games Alabama's had in a long time. And, and uh, you know, there's so many storylines. Scott Cochran, Kirby Smart, Glenn Schumann, Dan Lanning. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But the storyline's there. So, I just want to see – I want to see what – quote, unquote, 25,000 looks like in that stadium. And I'm certain it's going to be over that number a little bit. I go back and look at that schedule, and I always try to look from a recruiting side of it. And from a recruiting side of it, Georgia gets to play in front of the entire country, what, three times? Uh, Florida, Alabama, and Auburn. And some schools aren't. At least. At least. At least. And some schools aren't. I mean, so don't think for a minute that Kirby Smart, who's recruiting against some schools, didn't say, hey, you see who's playing on national TV. You want to talk about your brand. You want to talk about that NIL. You want to talk about that image. Look who's playing in prime time. Look who's playing in front of the whole country. Some aren't. That's just, that's just the way it is. And if it was against Georgia, it'd be the same way. So, I look at it from a recruiting side, and Georgia's getting a chance to showcase their program in a, in a crazy year. It's hard to believe, man, the Pac-12 is not playing. Now, the Big Ten, there's different things going on there. Right now, they're not. Looks like they got some momentum to play, maybe. But for a while, anyway, the SEC and ACC and Big 12 are going to have the, the eyes of the country on them. And when you start throwing in that CBS national game, Tell you, man, it, 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 Georgia has a great audition for their program early with that Auburn game. Alabama in prime time is going to be everybody in the country is going to watch that. But I will say uh, two things I'm watching there. I want to see that 25,000 head count, uh, and then I want to see you know the the atmosphere there because man, that is that is a big time game. But I think this Auburn game at night here, look, Georgia's going to Georgia's going to have to do some head count themselves. I've got friends, Jake, that are telling me that they're coming to tailgate regardless if they're in or not, and that's an happen. So I'm I'm interested to see how that's gonna how that's gonna play out in other places and and uh, you know bars in downtown Athens. I mean restaurants in downtown Athens. I mean it's all this is new to us and it's all gonna play out. But I have a feeling 
that they better make some plans because there's a lot of people coming to town where they go to them games or not. You know, and, and they've yet to make the announcement on whether they're even going to yeah, let exactly. people tailgate. Yeah. So I, that, They're that'll... anticipating you not being able to tailgate on campus. Okay. But let me tell you, they know the areas that are not considered campus that are really close to campus, and those places will be packed. <laughs> I can tell yeah. you. Hey, watch watch, watch the church parking lots and church parking lots, Holiday Inn parking lots, those parking lots downtown. It's so funny you mentioned the Holiday Inn parking lot because that's yeah, that's, that's on place, point because that's, that's right there. Place, hey, that's two blocks from the stadium, and that place. Yeah. You know, I, I've got some friends that tailgate over there. Some very good friends of mine. They, you know, they they set up all year for that, and uh, I can certainly tell you that I can guarantee you that crew from Northwest Georgia. Is going to be tailgating for a 7:30 Auburn game. That's right, absolutely. And uh, you know, another thing that I didn't even really think about, hadn't thought about when we started the show, but I did when we started uh, talking about the schedule. Um, long time, you know, several years in a row, LSU and Alabama, pencil them in, 8 p.m. on CBS. Two years in a row, Georgia, Georgia Notre Dame last year, Georgia Alabama this year. If you're wondering. Listen, if you're an opposing fan, if you're an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan, Florida fan, whatever, Georgia hasn't won anything yet. I get it. They haven't. But you want a a pretty good idea as to Georgia's relevance nationally. You want a good idea as to where, you know, Georgia has come in terms of the the national discourse and and, and the respect that it's kind of receiving in terms of ratings and, and people wanting to see Georgia play. Uh, two years in a row being in that eight o'clock game is 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 a pretty good barometer there. I mean that's that's a pretty big statement there, especially when you got defending national champion um, going to host Alabama this year, but they're not going to do it at eight o'clock again. And, and Georgia stole that game last year too with with Notre Dame. So uh, I think you know again, Rusty, you're talking about it. I know Georgia didn't have any control over scheduling Alabama. They were just they kind of rotated onto the schedule, but. I think Kirby Smart pretty much has this in mind down the road whenever Georgia plays Texas and Georgia plays Clemson and Florida State and, and Oklahoma. And uh, th- I think they want to steal some more of those 8 p.m. CBS games or whoever has the contract at that point. Uh, before we wrap it up, Rusty, what's coming as far as, the, as, far as Georgia on the recruiting trail? And if you, if you have been a member of our site for, from the start, I've been here from the start, day one, Never been really big on silent commits. Never been that guy because it's just different, you know, until somebody comes out publicly. This year has been different because of the fact these kids can't visit. They're, you know, doing, they're having to do Zoom meetings, this type of thing. And, you know, the Dejon Warren deal, you know, we, we sat on that for a couple of weeks. I mean, that was, that, was a, that was a silent commit. And nobody knew it was coming. And when we dropped the story, the video, you know, obviously the world found out, but they've got some silence. They've picked up some silence, and I've done at least two edits recently for some guys, and and I've said this before. This is in multiple classes. Um, I do think, because everybody asked about the 2021. That's what everybody wants to know. I do think the 2021 class is going to see some action, I would say, sooner than later. And I think they could add a couple uh, here pretty pretty soon, I would think. And, uh, you know, I think recruiting's picking back up for Georgia. And I think that the momentum kind of behind the scenes right now is really, really good for Georgia with some key guys, not ready to crystal ball anybody right now that, that, that 
that um, I haven't. So we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. But I think Georgia fans were, and, and rightfully so, you know, didn't really seem like they had a ton of momentum, had a couple of things go against them. And, you know, I said it this summer, he finished second, and there's no points for second place in recruiting. There's zero. But I think Georgia has had a pretty good month of August where they get five commits, I think, in August. I think September could be just as big. We'll see. All right, you heard it here first, and you will not find a single place on the Internet that's going to get you, have you better covered, or anywhere, really. I mean, Internet, newspaper, whatever, that's going to cover you better in recruiting than, than my, my guys Rusty and Kip. They know uh, Georgia recruiting inside and out. They're going to have it uh, locked down for you, and uh, that's all we've got for this show, though. Uh, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, and this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take it easy, everybody.